the evolution of the security generalist. What do you need to know? What do you need others to know? Welcome to the Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Today, I'm here with Sean West, and we're going to do a little deep dive before three interviews that I conducted live at the security event in Birmingham with Ellie Hurst, Philip Ingram, and Stuart Nash. Um, Sean, the security generalist, is it time we acknowledge, yes, we've got our own specialisms such as EP, but we really want a general flavor of what's out there, including cyber. A security generalist, I guess you're talking about someone who has a knowledge of security and all of its different facets, as opposed to being a specialist in a particular area. Am I correct? I think so. And I don't think it negates you being a specialist in EP, but with your other hat, I think everyone is becoming a generalist or there's a great need to become one, isn't there? For sure. If you're, I consider myself an executive protection specialist. That's where I've grown my career and gone through there into management, started my own business and became head of security uh, for my principal. And there's a lot of areas that I've had no experience of along the way, but if you've had to learn kind of on the job, lots of different areas, how you can utilize different areas, such as K9 security, CCTV, security operators, whilst that's a different level of security to what I'm used to delivering, but all of these different intricacies become interwoven to provide an overall security solution. So as a generalist, yes, you need to have knowledge in all of the areas and you need to have a black book of, if your principal comes to you and says to you, tell him, I need a technical surveillance countermeasure sweep. You may not have that knowledge yourself, but you need to be able to know who to call. Indeed. And, and that I think would explain, aside from the fact that it's nice to see people in person again, it, it would explain uh, the large turnout at the security event in Birmingham. Uh, last week, because I saw some of our EP colleagues wandering around CCTV stands. And I mean, yes, it's good fun and it looks nice and it's interesting, but I think especially today, your principal will come to you and say, right, you're the security person. Ergo, I'm going to ask you this question about bomb-proof glass. I'm going to ask you this question about cyber and the, who you're going to call strategy. I think this is, this is a much more formalized, um, process. I mean, you know, on, on, as an aside, I think the uh, last 18 months have shown that yes, we'll, we'll continue to have uh, virtual events uh, because we can achieve things internationally that perhaps we can't achieve, but everyone last week was very pleased to uh, see each other in person and perhaps expand that black book. Um, I, I, are you noticing more in-person meetings at the moment? Yeah. I, I love these security events. I used to go to a lot of them pre-COVID. Um, for a number of reasons for networking with fellow professionals, but also to up my knowledge in, you know, see what's new, what's out there. Technology moves at such a fast pace. If you don't attend these places, you pretty soon fall behind the curve. So I think it's good when these events take place, you should, you know, add two or three of them into your diary throughout the year for sure, just to keep abreast, keep your knowledge abreast of what's current, what's not. And also, like you say, to expand that black book so you can offer more services and have more knowledge in areas that you possibly may not have previously. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about with our interviewees today. We're going to combine this topic of, yes, it's fantastic that we're physically meeting and expanding our black book. And it's nice to see, especially some of the colleagues from ACES UK. That was, that was really nice. Uh, but uh, what about the generalist? So we're going to combine those two topics. Um, in terms of uh, other, other things coming up, for example, we interviewed Philip Ingram, uh, who you might recall, we did a, a special interview back in January on the Capitol Hill uh, incident and TSM implications. And um, Philip is the chair, uh, not just for last week's event, but also the International Security Expo coming up at the end of the month. I mentioned that because we as the circuit and BBA are media partners uh, for that event, right? So we're going to at least uh, see, see a few of our colleagues there. But uh, others, such as Ellie Kirst, of course, you, you, you will have seen Ellie and Advent IM uh, really pushing this converged uh, security generalist. I think one of the things that at least uh, Ellie and Mike Gillespie uh, try to explain to people is uh, you wouldn't find a doctor fresh out of med school as an oncologist, and then they'd work their way back to being a GP, uh, you know, or, 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 or vice versa. So they said, well, they don't want to see that apply in the security space. And then, of course, our good friend Stuart Nash um, giving his reflections on why people should take note, as you've just said, Sean, why should they take note of a generalist exhibition? Um, I'm really looking forward to it. There's a lot of places we can go. And please do forgive the live recording. We did live recordings and ergo there's background noise, but that should give you a flavor of the buzz and the the, the energy that we, that, we, that we had there. Um, Let's listen to it now. We've got three people to hear, and uh, we're very much looking forward to Philip Ingram, Stuart Nash, and Ellie Hurst. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. I'm here with Philip Ingram, live at the Birmingham security event. It's a pleasure to see you. Uh, how's uh, the day been for you? The day's been brilliant, actually. This is the second day of the security event, and it has been rammed. You know, you wouldn't think that um, anything's going on in the world. It's back to normal. Bigger than the last time this event was run, which was the first time it was run. I think more people through the door. Um, and um, you know, the, the buzz is as good as I've seen at any event ever. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously people will notice that there's stuff going on around us as we do a walkthrough. We're looking at vehicles, we're looking at systems. But Philip, I think this has a special place because there's no more NSI event. This uh, is sort of the installer event, isn't it now, in Birmingham? Well, yeah, the installer and integrator event, it, it is the event where you know, if people want to get the latest kit, uh, whether it be... Uh, security, whether it be fire, whether it be health and safety, whether it be emergency services, because the emergency services show is co-located, um, whether it be to do with facilities management, it's all in one place. Back in the NEC. Now, there used to be another event here doing this a few years ago. That moved away and moved to London. Um, I think the target audience that are back here are enjoying it being back in Birmingham again. I like it. And, and, and what do you think about the uh, cyber uh, exhibitors? Is it a sign that the distributors who previously just did alarms and cameras are looking to bundle cyber solutions? Well, I think there's an increasing realization that as you know, the security solutions and the fire and all the other solutions become more 
um, online uh, yeah, and IP driven, then cyber is critical to those and critical to be factored in. Uh, and that's seen not just by the manufacturers of the traditional devices, but also by the cyber industry. And that's why the National Cyber Security Show has been launched alongside this to build that relationship. And of course, in the security industry, we've been talking for a number of years about convergence between the physical security and the cyber side. And this is the show version of that convergence coming together. And again, we'll, we'll see that at the higher level uh, with the International Security Expo um, and International Cyber Expo, the 28th, 29th of September at uh, London Olympia. And indeed, and, and you are leading uh, that uh, with lots of great speakers and, uh, and conferences. Uh, how, how does this event uh, sort of plug into that one? Well, it's the same organizers that are, that are behind it, and, and they're aimed at different levels. So you know, this event is aimed at the installers and integrators. There's some great content at it. And again, it's aimed at um, giving the installers and integrators you know, the uh, additional technical knowledge um, uh, and other pieces that they need behind what's going on, but also some good interest subjects that are there. Whereas um, the, the event at the end of September is, is at a slightly higher level um, and will bring in that higher level content. So you know, the, 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 the public, private, government, police, um, industry relationship that's in there and, and, and explore that. And therefore, if you look at them from the single organizer, they complement each other fantastically. Absolutely. And, and we're looking forward to that event at the end of the month. The British Bodyguard Association and Sergey Magazine are media partners. So it's, uh, it's, always, it's always good. I've met a number of people who are just thrilled at meeting each other face to face. Um, what, uh, what, what's your impression? Are, are, are people timid? Are people excited? I, I feel this is a, a comeback. Uh, it's a huge comeback. I think, and I've talked to an awful lot of people, and the one big thing is how good it is to be seeing people face to face again. And as, as people have met people properly together for the first time in many cases, you, know, you can see the expressions when they suddenly go, hang on, you look that height on Zoom or Teams or something else, but hey, you're that tall or you're that small and, and, and all the rest of it. And it's, there's, it, people have really enjoyed the getting back together again, physically side of things. And you know, apart from the additional uh, COVID uh, checks on the, on the way in, um, I, I don't think you would re uh, realize that this is going on when there's a global pandemic happening. Absolutely. Well, they're, they're taking great care of us, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have it all there. Um, I, uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing you at uh, the International Security Expo at the end of the month. Uh, look forward to seeing you there as well. It, it's going to be a good event. I'm very pleased to be talking with Stuart Nash live and in person at the Birmingham Security Event. Uh, Stuart, you're here with a few hats on today, but uh, but it's a pleasure to see you. How has the day been for you? Hi, Felim. Always a pleasure to see you. Uh, the day's been really good, actually. Um, it's my first day at the event. It's my first in-person event for a long time. And it's just nice to see so many different professionals representing different uh, companies within the various security centers here. Um, it's nice to be in an environment that is um, conducive to, to learning and, and, and seeing the exhibitors here and just walking around and seeing different, different technologies, different service sectors, different people represented. It is, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic to be here in that atmosphere. That's resonated the whole uh, day uh, for me. Um, but, but, you know, you're, you're, of course, very active in the EP community and you're part of 
uh, our group, so to speak, with the circuit magazine. And what should such a professional really know about this event? Because this event has a lot of installers. It's got a lot of distributors. And it, it, it doesn't feel like a natural fit for the World VP initially, but, but, but I'd like to say that it actually is. What, what should they take away from this type of event? Uh, I think the benefit from this type of event is the variety of people that are exhibiting. Uh, and as a professional, nobody acts in isolation in their job. A decision that we make will have repercussions for another department. It will have repercussions for uh, the wider sphere that you operate in. So um, you might not need to, you might not think you need to know about cameras or analytics or access control systems, but if you do know them, uh, you're more valuable to your client. You're able, you've got a, you're able to see the bigger picture with, with, when you're more knowledgeable about some of these areas. I like it. Yeah. Cause there are some ultra high net words. They want a special type of armor or they want a special type of camera or they want something and they're looking at you. You're the security person. So it, 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 it's almost like you have to have a who's who of who to call. Uh, or, or am I reading too much into it? No, I don't think so. What, what's really interesting about this event is that they've co-located the cybersecurity conference uh, with this event and also the, the fire safety. And, and all of those uh, dovetail quite nicely because if you're working in a large organization, if you're working for a, a high net worth family, all of these systems will be uh, in, in play. There'll be access control. There will be cameras. Uh, cybersecurity is probably one of the biggest threats to uh, a high net worth family. Uh, and if you don't understand the, the deep web, the dark web, where these threat vectors are, um, then you're, you're really doing the, your client a disservice. You need to understand where some of the, the fire safety systems might be coming from in the house, uh, intruder alarms. So it's, it's, we're not expected to have a, a technical understanding, but I would imagine uh, most people would benefit from having a, 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 an overview knowledge from a, from a lot of these systems. I like it. And with, with, with some of your other hats, it's lovely to see uh, ASIS, for example, here exhibiting um, and, and, and sort of looking forward to perhaps the 22, 2022 conference. And what, what, what are you most looking forward to actually uh, moving forward? Because there's a, there's a lot of things that are precarious, but a, but a lot of hopeful, uh, you know, uh, events coming up. Yeah, I think we, everybody's just desperately keen to get back to face-to-face -face meeting when the, the last 12, 18 months has been manageable and, and, and organizations have done really well to, to keep people interested. But there's, there's a, an element of Zoom fatigue now. There's an element of um, people want to come back and there's no substitute for that human interaction. Um, there's no substitute for shaking somebody's hand, sitting down, touching the product, looking at it, feeling it understanding its capabilities and its limitations, which sometimes you, you just can't do virtually. Um, the, there's, there's a, a really good program of activity coming up now with DSCI next week. There's IFSET and Secu Security Counter-Terror Expo. So I, I think there's a, there's a really, um, there's a strong imperative now for people to get out for, um, for clients, suppliers, distributors, just to come uh, and, and kind of put a spark back in the industry. Um, uh, for ASIS, um, I'm, I'm a board director for ASIS, um, and it's, we're really pleased to be exhibiting here. We're trying to recruit 
new members to ACES. We're trying to be a voice for our membership and our sponsors, um, making the, raising the awareness for the ACES um, certification schemes, the exams that are available, uh, raising awareness of events like GSX. So for us, this, this, is, this is our natural environment. I love it. Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. I know uh, it's a, it's a very busy day, so I'll uh, I'll leave you to get on. But uh, Stuart, it's it's great to have you, and uh, I look forward to connecting uh, on the uh, BBA Connect app or or one of the uh, CP events coming uh, coming up very soon. Thanks, Philip. Nice to see you. I'm here live and in person at the security event at the NEC in Birmingham with Ellie Hurst of Advent IM. Of course, many of you will have seen Ellie, uh, you know, throughout the pandemic on lots of the virtual events that we've done, and uh, and of course some of the podcasts as well. Ellie, it's a pleasure to uh, see you, meet you. It's fantastic to be here, and it's nice to see you in person again, at last, not on a screen. No, indeed. But I, I, I really get a sense that today the event is buzzing. People are pumped. People are primed. And um, what's uh, been happening? I, I, I just arrived. Can you give people a flavour of what's going on here? Yeah, it's fantastic. We've got some very impressive stands. Um, we've got some really good theatres. There's quite a lot of cyber content as well. One of the nice things that I've found is that there's cyber content in all of the theatres. Some of the topics which have been going on over the lockdown. So almost before we, we start, have been this uh, beef between technical experts and non-technical experts, which I thought is kind of a funny beef because there's so many gaps in the cyber world, all the way from marketing mm -hmm. to being a sysadmin, that in fact, it doesn't matter, right? The fact that I have not grown up as a script kiddie shouldn't preclude me Absolutely not. from working in it. One of the most important things, I think, that, that evidences this was the um, information security work um, working practice uh, paper that was done about two years ago, just before the pandemic, um, workforce analysis, which you said that uh, recruiters and business leaders were, they took technical skills as a given. And what they wanted were people who had not just technical skills, but had communication skills as well. So that this is the information security workforce study saying, this is what we need. So, um, what is frequently referenced as, um, and I hate this phrase, soft skills, um, is an absolute necessity. So, you know, there are all sorts of skills that are missing from information security. And if we keep this focus on, you know, technical is the only thing that's required, then we're absolutely missing a trick because it's the gaps in between that get exploited every single time. Because, you know, the bad guys, they share tools, they share information, you know, they share all sorts of things. They don't have these weird little silos that, you know, it's a surface business, you know, we have. And I think that, that that's actually causing more vulnerability, personally. And do you think that that makes some pieces of the puzzle feel less valued? So just because I am not um, sandboxing a bunch of ransomware things that I've just discovered um, with finesse, I, okay, finesse is probably the wrong word, but to, to be fair, I'm not a technical expert, so I'm going to use finesse. Finesse um, is fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, so if I'm doing that, everyone assumes that I am the breadwinner, but yet there is that communications piece, there is that even evolution of the CISO, 
the, the poor CISO is a bit of a target. And so the skills to protect the company and stop yourself being a target, it's wholly different. Um, yeah, sure, you need to understand all of the different dynamics, but I don't know. Today we're at the security event in Birmingham. It's traditionally a channel event now. Mm -hmm. So to look at distributors and you know routes to market for things ranging from CCTV to alarm and control, but also now cyber. And I think that channel angle is an interesting dynamic because <laughs> they're business people. Mm -hmm. And they're business people that know how to harness the power of technical people. Surely that's a good model for tomorrow's security professional. I think so, too, Pelham. I think what we what we need to do is to just completely change the way we... I know I'm asking for an awful lot, but change the way we actually um, set up security within business. I'm saying that because, A, I've always believed that it needs to be a much more, and I hate the word, but there's only one word for it, holistic. Um, but blended is maybe a better word because blended means that you then can layer up security where it's required. When you've got gaps in your knowledge because you maybe don't have an information asset register so you don't know what you've got in your business because responsibility sits in 15 different places and um, you're expecting CISOs to be in charge of all that where those departments may not report into the same structure. You know, it's very scattered and, and difficult. Um, this is just not an efficient way of running efficient security. So if you've got, if you know what your business is trying to achieve, you know what your business objectives are, that's the point at which security should start. It should start in finding a way to achieve those business objectives securely, which means that you build the structure of your security and your team and blend it as you need it in order to enable those objectives so you don't have security pulling in an opposite direction to what the business is trying to achieve. Coming here um, the last couple of days, one of the things that I've heard people talking about is, you know, is this blended approach, is this kind of like mix of skills, multidisciplinary security teams, and we're not there yet, I and mean, we're not even close, there are a couple of businesses I know that do it really well, so it means that people leading on different projects will change at any point because it depends on where the skill set is required, which is entirely appropriate. When you think about how you would run something like that in other areas, business that's what you would do but we've got so fixed into this mentality of you're a technical person you're not technical person so therefore you've got nothing to say about that it's just crazy yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, imagine going to your CEO and say, let me stop you there. I'm not going to let you just speak, right? Um, I'm going to dictate everything to you because I know everything and you know nothing. Well, it's not going to go down with the CEO very well. No. And, 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 and it doesn't seem to be the way that business works anyway. So what do you think about today's event here in Birmingham, right? We, we, we've got what, what I just described as a traditional channel event where we do have alarm system uh, people, we do have distributors, but we've also got cyber. Okay, cynically, you could say, oh, jumping on the cyber money bandwagon, but I think there's something a bit more to it now. Do you, do you, do you feel that distributors are ready to distribute more complex cyber solutions? And, and that's why it makes sense for that to be here. 
I think there are two things that play. I think one is definitely financial, without a shadow of a doubt, because for those businesses that we were speaking to, I mean, in all walks of life, whether it was a, um, a channel a distributor, installer, or end user, it didn't make any difference. Nobody was quite ready to talk about the blended um, way of, of, of approaching things. So, you know, buying something that was secure out of the box, installing it in a secure manner, managing it securely through to the end of its life cycle, um, when it could then be decommissioned securely and the, and the new equipment then installed. You know, this is something we've been involved with for a very, very, you know, 18 years. So um, there have always been some businesses that have thought that way. I think introducing cyber as a valid partner is something that has happened fairly recently. And I think it's, um, on the one hand, it's been forced, but on the other hand, it's been forced by a business requiring a much more complete and blended approach to how they handle things. I think the pandemic has forced it as well because a lot of stuff has been had to manage remotely. Um, and if you can't manage it remotely securely, then you're just adding extra risk to your business. So also, you know, pushing out newly remote teams with maybe equipment that they haven't used before, hastily configured. You know, there's all sorts of all sorts of um, complications that have been added. But the businesses that were fairly resilient in the first place, so they had all their security ducks in a row already, have handled it particularly well. Um, and those that haven't are probably still struggling now. They probably will continue to. So I actually think the pressure has actually come from end users. I think it's come from the cyber market itself as well, saying, come on, we need to talk about this. Come on, I need to talk to you. We've got a project that includes both of us. And Lexicon, they will always struggle with the Lexicon. You know, it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult area. But looking around, um, looking around the, the hall today, and also listening to the presentations and the panel debates yesterday, it was something that came across time after time after time. Cyber was mentioned relentlessly, and often by people who I know historically have been very uncomfortable with talking about cyber elements of their roles or um, their equipment or whatever it was that they were trying to achieve. Been very uncomfortable and have been in that yeah I don't do cyber mindset and they've now kind of been forced into it and are speaking about it at events like this. I, I, I like that and it's, it's, it's really refreshing. Um, I think we've often spoken about this, but maybe five or six years ago when I invited people to an event about physical security and there were panels that talked about technology, mm. I would suddenly have people shutting down. Mm. I said, look, this is not you being a technical expert, it's about you uh, describing your potential wants and needs. Mm -hmm. And they would say, no, no, I cannot touch it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, in the States, uh, I like to say, you know, you don't have to be a metallurgist to operate a firearm. Here, I don't know, I'm just thinking, I, I came on the train today, I didn't know how my train operated, but I still came here. So, yes, I'm prepared to spend money on trains. Yes. I'm not a train driver. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's about outcomes, isn't it? What are you trying to achieve? What are your objectives? What are you trying to achieve? What's the best possible way, you know, the most seamless um, and resilient way in order to be able to do that because you have to build in your future planning as well. You have to be able to horizon scan and say, well, okay, this is what we're doing now. But what are we going to need to do in five years? Look how fast everything's changed in the last two years. 
you know, we do, we need to be able to um, to think ahead in that way. We also need to looking at the other way down the telescope, and certainly from a cyber perspective, is to enable um, non-security people. So that would be the rest of the business to understand the role that they play in security. That's going to become more and more important. The reason why I think it's going to become more important is because of the threat landscape changing and becoming much more dynamic and dangerous. We need to free up our security people away from mundane tasks. Maybe AI or machine learning can pick up some of that, but some of it has to lie with people just carrying out their roles on a day-to-day basis in a much more secure way so that our security people can be the expert business partners that they need to be and enable them to do that horizon scanning, to do that planning, um, to secure the businesses, which which is everyone's source of income. So it makes absolute sense to free them up to be able to do that. Um, so I think that's going to be another one of um, one of the changes that we'll start to see over the next couple of years as well, is a focus on, on people. And those people, um, traditionally, we've sort of had a problem, or at least I believe we've had a problem, that those people would take threats to their person very seriously, but they wouldn't take threats to company information very seriously. But with the rise of a lot of interesting extortion um, scams and, and, you know, problems, I think that they're going to take it a lot more seriously because if you are uh, compromised to, to, to provide your company information, you're still compromised. So it's still a threat to you. And obviously, I don't want to get too dark with it, but I, I would like to think that it's becoming more apparent to employees how... Um, company information that has been lost through them is actually a threat to them. It is, absolutely. I mean, obviously it depends on the kind of um, threat that you're talking about, but I I absolutely think so. I think there's um, a disconnect. There's a disconnect. I see this happening with money as well. Because people have lost touch with their physical information, everything's bits and bytes, and so they've got no idea what they're carrying around in their devices because they're pretty much disconnected from it and it develops into this kind of um, a disconnected way of thinking about looking after it as well when you think about you know uh, three and five devices that, that go go missing from businesses are not stolen they're left in taxis they're left on trains they're left in pubs you know um, that's how people that's the relationship that they have with business information so we need to address people's attitudes to to information and, and, and data that they're working with um, especially you know with the value of some of it they may not realize the value of some of the information that they're carrying around so yeah we need to address that that relationship it's happened with money as well because you don't physically hand over money anymore lots of people are losing contact with you know how much they're spending um i read an article a couple of days ago that was saying that young people i don't know what constitutes young person but it's certainly not me but um saying that they hadn't realized that buy now pay later was credit That's that's an absolute disconnection. We're talking about, you know, financial kind of, well, I don't know even how you would, how you would term it, sort of just... Yes, that, that is a whole new kettle of fish and lots of people get, you know, enamored by the idea of a nice lump sum right now, which will solve their problem. 
anyway, that is that is a huge other topic. And on, on a lighter note, you know, looking around this expo, it looks packed, it looks energized. I mean, yeah. yes, there is an element, of course, of people delighted to meet physical human beings. That's great. But I know that people have been keen to listen to your presentation and, and, and Mike Gillespie's presentation at this show. Um, maybe it's a good opportunity to ask, you know, what message were you trying to convey uh, there? We're very concerned about um, supply chain. Uh, the last few years we've seen an awful lot of um, third party and supply chain, um, you know, malicious malware, but also um, ransomware attacks. Um, this this is a, a huge concern to us because the the amount of ransomware families and the amount of um, ransomware, the number of attacks has decreased, but they've become much more potent and they're making much more money because they're targeting much more effectively and they're managing to find their way into some really crucial bits of our infrastructure, like education, public services, you know, local authorities, who are paying ransoms. This is money that's coming out of the public pocket into the hands of criminals, which is then enabling them to build even bigger and better software to attack everybody even more effectively. So this is a, this is a really important thing to us. And obviously, on the other hand, to, to address matters of culture and security behaviour, and to try and address some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier, that connection with information, a move away from considering users to just be stupid users because they do dark things, but educate them and build a culture, which means that they know what they have to do when they see something that doesn't look right. They know who to report it to and what to do about it. They share information with their colleagues and warn them and say, Look out for this because this is a bad thing that's happening, and a kind of no-blame culture for near misses and for reporting what's happened because that is people coming together to try and protect, you know, the asset which is the business they work in. So um, that's really what we've been trying to get across, and to take that mentality into everything and to consider the impact because when we talk about supply chains, we don't really have supply chains anymore. We have ecosystems. So. So anybody could be affected by a third-party third party breach or an injection of ransomware into a particular part of the supply chain. It can affect anybody if you look at what's happened in the last two years. Massive amounts of really critical bits of infrastructure being impacted by this. So we just want to acquaint people with that, explain to them that they play a part in it and that their individual security cultures in their businesses is vital if we're going to address this. I mean, that sounds very, very compelling to me. And I would hope that people are very receptive to this message, especially here. Mm -hmm. but why is the message necessary? You know, have people not been receptive thus far in some areas? And if so, why, why not? It's a really difficult question. I'm sure it's quite a complex area. I think people have an assumption that there is always going to be a cost. I think people may assume that it's cost prohibitive. But if, if you think about it, think about a situation like um, maybe a police force. You have so many suppliers into a particular police force. Are they going to have the time or inclination to uh, perform you know, a security audit on each of those suppliers? Probably not. 
because it seems like a whole elephant they don't even want to start eating a little bit of it and that, so therefore it might not happen if you don't have an effective way to kind of triage the risk prioritize who you need to be auditing and when how regularly dependent upon the kind of relationship that you've got with them and what interconnected bits of kit you may have um, will then dictate, you know, how often, how frequently you need to do so. Someone who supplies, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, kitchen equipment um, is not going to be needed to be audited as regularly as someone that maybe supplies something that could be part of a uniform, so therefore could be changed or altered or, you know, that IP stolen and replicated by criminals, for instance. So it's not, it's not as straightforward as it looks. And that being the case, I think... There is a shying away from that um, in terms of carrying out those sort of supplier audits. And from the supplier side, um, you and I both know that people will do as little as they possibly can in order to be compliant. This is the difference between businesses that take on a certification or a compliance with a standard um, through its, just to say that they've done it. Not because they want to say, well, okay, we really want to make a difference here. Let's let's build a really good, secure culture here. So we could say to anyone, yeah, fine, come and audit us. We're not scared. Audit us whenever you want. Which is what we say to our clients at Advent. That's what we say. You want to audit, yeah? Come on in. Come and audit. That's fine. Well, I'm not in the market to audit you, but I, but I, but I, but I, but I feel like I should now, you know. Um, I'll get the good biscuits out of them if you want to. That would be good. Um, so, I guess, you know, supply chain and third-party management is, is quite a hot topic. We've had it in the cyber world. There's been some high-profile cases of software that's been bundled and white-labeled and whatever that maybe mm-hmm. had something lurking in there or maybe it created access that's all you know the big big stuff but I think why don't I ask you a little bit more about the soft things that have been going on seeing as we're here at this expo sometimes sometimes I feel in this conversation that I'm still on a zoom screen talking to Like, then my head is much bigger now. <laughs> in real life, my head is much bigger. Well, no, it's more three-dimensional. You know, I, I, I can, I can, uh, I can see you uh, much more clearly. Um, maybe in a light-hearted way, it's good to ask. Obviously, 18 months. Um, we've had lots of virtual events, and I'm a fan of virtual events. Mm. And I think we're going to have to have virtual events and physical events, mainly because they do kind of different things. Mm-hmm. What have some of the highlights uh, been virtually? For you over these last uh, 18 months and you don't have to say my events you don't have to say that but what, what have some of the highlights been i have really enjoyed your events obviously because i've attended them and you know uh, been on a panel at one or two i think one of the things that i've enjoyed most of all is the fact that certainly from uh, your events it meant that i could see people and hear from people that i might not normally have heard from before because they were from far-flung bits of the planet and so therefore may not have attended some of the events that i used to enjoy coming to in london um so that meant, that's been really exciting for me um and i met a couple of them here 
uh, yesterday actually oh. they came to the, the theatre where I was speaking and you know having seen them on the screen at, at your virtual events it's really nice because I knew, I knew who they were um, but that never happened before I'd never met them at, at an event before and so that was really so that was really really good that was definitely one of the high points I think also the inventiveness and we said this a few months ago when we did our events uh, podcast the inventiveness because you got straight in there um, you know doing your virtual I didn't events. have a choice but it was great but it was really really good um, and watching it evolve into you know a very slick product that you've got now really enjoyable but also very human too you know very enjoyable and then watching other events like the um, so what uh, professional security magazine did with oh, yeah, yeah. the ST events with kind of the brochure and you walk in and it was like a kind of old fashioned um, in-person event but in a different way with a conference area and you know so that was really creative ways of, uh, of getting around it and I thoroughly enjoyed Thoroughly enjoyed both. You know. Yeah, I, I loved it, and, and I, I did enjoy going to the in-person uh, professional security magazine event in uh, Manchester. That was yeah. that was really good fun. It's great uh, to see events of that and. Um you know, seeing people smiling and, you know, the ones that you can see that haven't got a mask on, people smiling and happy and catching up and, you know, there's a there's a real sense of optimism and, um, you know, it's palpable, you can feel it when you walk around, a sense of optimism and enjoyment and uh, coming together again, it's really good. I like it. Well, um, what's next for you and Advent IM? Uh, are, you, are you expanding into different areas? What, what, what are you doing? We have grown um, enormously over the pandemic. Uh, we've had to take on um, quite a few more staff and we're still going. Still looking for new consultants for any cybersecurity consultants out there. <laughs> and come to the website and apply. Uh, so, yeah, we have. We're, we're expanding our training offering uh, as well. We moved into virtual classroom over the course of the pandemic so that we could continue with our training because obviously we do a lot of training for uh, public service like police, etc. So that has to continue, you know, we have to find a way forward for that. And that's gone really well. So we've expanded it into some of our other courses too. Um, but we're go actually going to expand our um, offering of training as well. Um, so yeah, it's been been really really busy I think the next thing I'm speaking at an event in Milton Keynes on uh, supply chain again and then we're down at International Security Expo at the end of the month where Mike and I are co-chairing one of the theatres there for three days so that should be fun too I like it I'll be I'll be there too I'll definitely be listening um, but yeah um, Ellie it's been a pleasure catching up I'm going to bump into a lot in this expo but, <laughs> but it's been a pleasure speaking it's been great to see you being a generalist sounds really attractive now I think I think it's clear from the experiences of Ellie, of Stuart, of Philip, that we can't be in our own uh, you know, lane. We need to uh, appreciate the vast spectrum of security, all the way from loss prevention to cyber to KNR to, to sort of infosec. It's, it's all to play for. I, I really enjoyed being in person at the event, made some Great new friends and, of course, uh, old friends. Uh, Mark Rowe, uh, not a relation, uh, editor of the Professional Security Magazine. Um, colleagues from ASIS uh, UK. That was great to see uh, everyone there again. Um, and, of course, 
you know, these, these three short uh, interviews. Um, what, what did you take away from uh, the sessions, Sean? I really enjoyed it and I'm quite jealous that I wasn't at the event. Um, it's great that in-person events are back. Good to hear from Stuart Nash, who's a long-term member of the BBA and reader of the Circuit magazine. Um, Philip Ingram, a great friend of the industry and chair of the International Security Expo, of which we are a media partner. It was great to hear from him. And I particularly liked Ellie's comments on the security generalist of the future. Indeed. And, and that's something that Ellie and Mike Gillespie from Advent IM have been pushing uh, for a long time. Now, whether or not we can realize exactly uh, the shape that they're sort of suggesting, I don't know, but the general sentiments are important. And it was interesting to see at the expo last week, cyber exhibitors at a predominantly installer, distributor, channel type of CCTV event. Maybe that is a hint towards the fact that maybe some physical security distributors or agencies are looking to bundle more and more complex equipment. And as we said in our intro, obviously that, 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 that strategy, that needs to know, you know who's who in your little black book will only get more uh, important. Um, what have we got coming up then, Sean? Because this is a, an increasingly busy time for us. Yeah, I think we have the International Security Expo on the 28th and 29th of this month. Um, so that's another in-person event. I'm hoping I'll be able to get to that. And I believe on the 28th, we are booking a venue outside of the event to try and have a little get together with some BBA members who are available. So if you're around, please give us a shout. Please do. Yes. And, you know, something nice, informal, safe, um, just, just an opportunity to meet a lot of people that you've uh, been talking to uh, virtually for a while and, 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 and you want to say hello. And I, and I know even on the BBA Connect app, even today, there was a message saying, I'm going to this event. It wasn't that event, but you know, this event, is anyone around? Well, this is a great opportunity because we know that a lot of the community will be there. Yeah, for sure. It's, I'm looking forward to meeting any of our members or anyone who's subscribed to the circuit. Please give us a shout. Be great to meet you for coffee or a beer, the poison of your choice. Indeed, indeed. Um, and, uh, you know, just because we are doing these virtual meetups and attending virtual, uh, not virtual, physical meetups and physical events doesn't mean that the skills and benefits of virtual events uh, that we've harnessed uh, have gone away. You know, we can do some fun things, whether it is uh, Joe Ortera doing a live vehicle demonstration for us internationally, uh, or maybe it's a geographic specific event like our West Africa event. So in that vein, on the 6th of October, I have the Corporate Security Modernization Europe Forum. Uh, again, very beneficial because a lot of colleagues can't travel across Europe. Um, that's that's uh, something to look out for. But apart from that, we've we've got a lot going on on the Nava app, the you know Protect app, the BBA Connect app, and that whole side of things is really complementary to this return to physical exposure and physical events. I think we'll be able to really really blend the two. What about the magazine? Uh, are, are we still looking for contributors? Yes, we're always looking for articles for the magazine. Anything that's of interest to anyone working in the sector would be great, gratefully received. So please send them it to info at thesergamagazine.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you, no matter what sector you come from. We're very, very interested. Well, keep in contact. Keep 
uh, chatting away with the Naba Protector app. Keep contact uh, with the BBA Connect app. And uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, again very, very soon in person. 28th of September in the afternoon, we'll do an event outside the ISE to meet our membership and beyond. Um, from Sean and myself, thanks very much. We've had a great chat today with Philip Ingram, Stuart Nash, and Ellie Hurst. This has been another great episode of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.